Hello, everybody. This is Gerald Salenti, and it's Wednesday, January 11th, 2023. And the new year is here. We hope it's going to be a happy new year, but they say hope is the most negative word in the metaphysical dictionary because you're hoping for something without doing anything about it. But anyway, we're with Judge Andrew Napolitano, very honored. And Judge, you know, you wrote a very, very uh, enlightening and important article that'll be coming out tomorrow, a government by experts. And this is really, really important. But I have to interrupt you because there's much more important news and it's breaking right now on Yahoo. Jill Biden to have surgery to remove lesion above eye. That's the breaking story. Mm. Could you believe this? What do I give a shit about somebody getting a... Why is this news? But I'm mentioning this to show you and everybody listening how dumbed down the public is because what they're calling news is just a bunch of crap to get your mind off the real important things that are happening. And judge, you have an article here about the real important things that are happening that are affecting our life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, the article uh, opines that after Abraham Lincoln, the worst president we ever had was Woodrow Wilson. By worst, I mean least fidelity to the Constitution and most destructive of personal liberty. Wilson, of course, is famous for World War I, uh, the income, the personal income tax, uh, the Federal Reserve, uh, the popular election of senators. But perhaps in that group, but least well known, is the creation of the administrative state, in Wilson's mind, a government by experts. Wilson, of course, was the former governor of New Jersey, the former president of Princeton, the former professor of uh, constitutional law at Princeton. Wilson argued that we would be best governed by experts who had expertise in their fields. So this government by experts has become the administrative state today, like the EPA, the FDA, the FBI, the NSA, the BATF, the people in the government who never change, no matter who's in the White House, who devote themselves to a very precise area of the government and who, according to the late Justice Antonin Scalia, actually write rules and regulations unconstitutionally because they are not subject to review by the voters. One of those rules and regulations written by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms said that if you put a bump stock on your rifle, a bump stock allows you to pull the trigger and several bullets that come out at the same time, you've turned the rifle into a machine gun. And since Congress outlawed machine guns in 1934, we, the BATF, have decided that bump stocks are unconstitutional because they make your gun into a machine gun. And the United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit sitting on bunk, meaning every appellate judge in Texas and Louisiana, every federal one sitting in one panel, ruled 10 to 3 that the BATF cannot write laws, cannot decide what is a machine gun and what is not, only Congress can do it. That Wilson's concept of a government by experts is fundamentally flawed because the experts are not answerable to the people the way the Congress is. This is the beginning, Gerald, of a trend which when it reaches the Supreme Court 
will eviscerate the administrative state by basically saying to Congress, you want something to be the law? You write it and then you justify it when you're up for re-election. You don't have some hidden, faceless, nameless bureaucrat write the law and then claim you're not responsible for it. That's the profound significance of what the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals did that I attempted to point out in this article. You know, in, in, in um, about the experts, you know, managing our life, and, and that's what's going on right now in the sense that if you don't swallow the crap that the government is putting out, it's, quote, misinformation, and you're a conspiracy theorist. And you're blacklisted. Well, I mean, un unfortunately, that's what happens. I mean, you yeah. and I have been victimized uh, by uh, social media. You know, I get taken off of uh, TikTok all the time. And then when they put me back on, they somehow suppress what I say. They publish it, but they don't publish it where they normally would. Uh, if I say that the vaccine is not a vaccine, it's an experimental chemical tend to, in, intended to lessen the effect of the virus. It doesn't prevent you from getting it. It doesn't even give you a small dose of it. So it, it, it fails to meet the two definitions of a vaccine. When you say something as innocent as that, or when you say Stuart Rhodes shouldn't have been prosecuted for sedition because nobody should be prosecuted for a conspiracy to, to accomplish something that's impossible to accomplish, a very mainstream legal argument that was made during its trial, uh, they cut you uh, off. So again, we have punishment for people deviating from the standard way the government wants you to think. Now, the government can't punish me because of the content of my speech, but the government can get TikTok to do its bidding for it. When the FBI or the DHS or the DEA or any of these three-letter uh, aspects of the federal government that we have does that, then the First Amendment can be applied to the private entity that's doing the government's bidding. So Twitter and, and TikTok will shoot themselves in the foot when they do what the FBI or the DHS wants. Because if the First Amendment is applied to Twitter and TikTok, then they can't suppress people like you and me on the basis of the content of our speech. You write here, the Constitution itself, which Madison designed both to establish the federal government and to limit it, has been a dismal failure as an instrument of limitation. Madison himself wrote that the only external structure external to the Constitution, could be relied upon to keep the federal government in its place. In its place was defined by Jefferson as, quote, chained down by the Constitution, closed quote. Madison argued that only an external structure, he meant the states, using nullification or secession, would be enough to keep the feds in line. The, the one thing that Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and Kevin McCarthy and all the big government people in both parties fear more than anything else is that a section of the government wouldn't have to listen to them. So if Texas could secede or Florida could say the Patriot Act doesn't apply uh, in Florida or Louisiana could say the IRS doesn't apply in Louisiana, the, the feds would would go apoplectic. But that's what Madison argued. 
And that's what Jefferson argued. Who are they? Well, Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence. Madison wrote the Constitution. Of course, nullification and secession were obliterated uh, during the dictatorship of Abraham Lincoln. So we only can discuss them academically and hypothetically. There's a little bit of nullification going on, but it's very minor. There are some states that have nullified, you ready for this? Daylight saving time. Yeah. I'm glad they did it. It's yeah, not a big yeah, deal. It doesn't yeah, save me money, but it does say that some states will say to the federal government, go take a hike. This is ridiculous, changing the clocks every six months. It is ridiculous. You know, my good friend, may rest in peace. Uh, when he died, it changed my life. I, I was so sad. His name was Thomas Naylor. And he started the second Vermont Republic. And it was a secessionist movement that was really gaining a lot of strength. And it lost strength when Obama came in, but it was still going strong. Matter of fact, he used to be on Fox. He was in a lot of places. Oh, he was a, you know, a brilliant guy. Um, and, um, and that's what we really need. We need the freedom of the, of, of the States, uh, to be who we want to be without, you know, the communist dictatorship on top of the USSA, America, A-M-E-R-I-K-A, running our lives and telling us everything that we have to believe and must do. And you wrote in his masterpiece, Democracy, the God that Failed, Hans Hermann Hope articulates the truism that one is not truly free if one cannot leave the government. That applies to persons as well as political subdivisions. The forced retention of persons under the government's monopolistic jurisdiction is totalitarian. Yes, it is. I think I've told you this story. Where I live in, in, in Northwest New Jersey, there isn't even an organized Democratic Party. Everybody in power is a Republican. The mayor of my little town, it's a part-time mayoralty, the town is 26 square miles. There's only 4,000 people that live here. He's a pig farmer, but the taxes are out of sight. I said to the mayor, how about if you and the next town over compete with each other for your services and my tax dollars? See, you can provide me with more services at less cost. That'll keep both of you honest. You're, you're, you're a free market guy. Competition improves the product. He looked at me and said, I never heard of anything more communistic in my life. <laughs> communistic, it's purely capitalistic. Something happens to people when they get in the government. And by not allowing competition, by not facing the threat that I'm going to leave the government, that you don't govern me anymore because I didn't consent to you, by barring that, they have become totalitarian. Hoppe argued for competition in government which of course we don't have today, uh, the government forces you to obey it or to go to jail. You know, you call them bureaucrats. You misspelt it. They're bureaucrats. You know, <laughs> you call them who they are. And again, these are people, most of them, they can't get a job in the real world and they get into the political system and, into, and they get these jobs. You know, they're, they're, the, they're not the brightest on the planet. You go on to write here, the last insidious structure is neither fish nor fowl. It is not clearly in any branch of constitutional government. It writes rules, enforces them, and interprets them. An example, 
the U.S. tax code enacted by Congress runs to 2,600 pages. It is indecipherable monstrosity. But the IRS own regulations written by IRS bureaucrats, not by Congress, run to 9,000 pages. And the IRS interpretations of its own regulations run to 70,000 pages. This is Wilson's government by experts. Correct. Correct. So the IRS is a good example. They write regulations, <laughs> they interpret the regulations, and they enforce the regulations. That's a legislative function, which should be congressional. That's an executive function, which should be presidential. That's a judicial function, which should be judiciary. So Wilson effectively created, and every president, even Reagan, has expanded it. Wilson effectively created a fourth branch of government. It's neither fish nor fowl. It's not in the car. It's not in the legislature. It's not in the executive. It's not in the judiciary. It continues to get money. It continues to grow. It writes its own rules. It interprets those rules. It enforces those rules. And no matter who's the president, the bureaucrats never change. Now, the president does appoint the head of each agency. Yeah. But the people that run the agency that write the rules never change. Example, uh, the EPA. Now, this is a famous case in which Justice Gorsuch uh, wrote that a mud puddle is not a navigable water. But the EPA attempted to regulate a mud puddle on a farmer's property. And the farmer challenged that all the way to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court threw out the regulation. But it cost this farmer a fortune in money and 10 years of litigation uh, before it happened. Who's the EPA? A bunch of uh, bureaucrats that don't change. This happened under the Trump administration. Trump himself condemned what, he, to his credit, what his own EPA was doing, but he couldn't stop them. And it didn't stop until the Supreme Court said, this is ridiculous. Congress said the EPA can regulate navigable waters. The EPA claimed that because water from the mud puddle seeped into the earth and reached the water table, and the water table reached the stream, which reached the river, which reached the ocean, Therefore, it was the mud puddle was connected to not navigable waters. Therefore, the EPA could regulate it. And what did the farmer want to do with the mud puddle? Get rid of it and plant some corn there. And the EPA said, no, I mean, you can't make this up. This is as bad as the central planning that occurred in the Soviet Union under Stalin, which resulted in the death by starvation of 30 million people. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking about. Uh, I did, not that part of it, but it's a communist state. Yes. And that's what they're doing. And, you know, it, it, you, you were talking before about, you know, the IRS. You know, the study that just came out, they're showing that they only go after the little people. The facts are there. They don't go after the big people. Big people know how to be, beat them. And what are they coming out? Another $80 billion of our money going to more IRS so they can steal more of our money to give to the politicians and the bureaucrats who never work a day in their lives. Right. All they do is suck off the public tit. And now, of course, the, the Republican, the, 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 the Congress voted, you know, to strike down that $80 billion, but, you know, it won't go anywhere because the Senate is not going to, to approve it. And right. neither will the administration. 
So you know, all, we, all we become our, you know, plantation workers, as I say, of slave landia. You have this thing here. Either our rights are inalienable or they are not. If they are not, freedom is an illusion. If they are inalienable, the government must leave our freedoms alone. That's pretty basic. If I say so myself, it could have been said by Jefferson or Madison, but it is not the law of the land today. They all take the same oath that I took, which reflects the inalienability of human rights, right from the Declaration of Independence. Our rights come, up, come from our humanity, but once they get into office, they believe that rights are a spigot and the government can open the spigot and let rights flow in good times and close the spigot uh, in bad times. I mean, one of the reasons that the FBI and the DEA and the DHS have become weaponized is because of the Patriot Act, because George W. Bush and the Republicans and many Democrats after 9-11 didn't believe in the Fourth Amendment. And they let one FBI agent authorize another FBI agent uh, to engage in a search without involving a judge. This created a generation. This is 21 years ago, Gerald. A generation of federal agents have come of age believing that they can spy first and worry about the Fourth Amendment later because they don't believe, this is getting back to your question, they don't believe that our rights are inalienable. They don't believe that they're regulated uh, by the Fourth Amendment, even though they took an oath to both of those principles of law. A whole generation of FBI agents, which now includes FBI leadership, has this George W. Bush-generated mindset that safety is more paramount than liberty. Guess what? When you have that view, you end up with neither. You end up with no safety because who's going to keep us safe from yeah. the government? And you end up with no liberty because the government is openly assaulting liberty. Well, you say it. The government is a negation of liberty. That's what government is. Yeah. And, and to call it a Patriot Act, Orwell couldn't have come up with a better name. Correct. You know, it, it's Correct. not Patriot at all. It's anti, it should be called the Anti-Patriot Act because it's robbed us of more and more of our freedoms. And, and it's, it's really terrible what's going on. And judge, I think this is going to get a lot worse if people don't do something to change this. And as you, you know, well, know, uh, we need a new third party. And well, the, the two parties are not, are not going to do it. They're not nope. going to make it They are They are each wings of one party, the big government party. It has a, I'll look to my left, it has a Democrat wing that likes taxes and war and redistribution of wealth to persons. It has a Republican wing that likes deficits and war and redistribution of wealth to the rich and to corporations. And they both write whatever laws they can so that they will stay in power. That's it. And again, we need term limits. We need a new third party. And you know, the third party that I'm looking for is RFK Jr. for president and Judge Andrew Napolitano for vice president. If we don't change this, we're finished. And again, this war is heating up in, in Ukraine. 
And it's only going to get much, much worse as the United States and NATO keep ramping it up. And World War III has already begun. It's not going to become official until there's a false flag event that's going to be a major event and or a nuclear exchange. And uh, very concerned about the future because they're robbing it from us. And Judge Andrew Napolitano has really said it very, very clearly that freedom is the default position. Government is the negation of liberty. The sovereignty of the person made in the image and likeness of the creator can never be equal morally and legally to the gaggle of thugs running an artificial monopoly of power in a geographic area. And that's what we have. We have a gaggle of thugs running and ruining our lives. Judge, thank you so much for being on. We'll see you next week and keep up the great work of informing the people of information and knowledge that they have no clue about on the broader scale. Thanks so much. Thank you, Gerald. All the best to you. All the best. Bye-bye.